Spreaders. Welcome to the spread. I'm your host, Kaz, and I hope you are all doing all righty. On today's episode of The Spread, I did an interview in Miami soon after the last day of Exotica. A little bit about Exotica, it's a sex and love conference for vendors, sex educators, and porn stars. And there's lots of things to do during the weekend and loads of talks to attend, as well as exciting live performances and different things to participate in, including a dungeon for people who are into BDSM and kink. Tayomi, our guest for today, has been working with Exotica for the last year and participating for the last. 2017, and I've been doing Exotica since 2012 in Chicago. So I've put in a lot of work and a lot of years with this show. So it's for me to be in this position now where I'm literally in charge of all the educational content is a pretty big deal. Now a little bit about Tayomi. She grew up in the burbs of Chicago with her twin sister in a predominantly white environment, with both her parents actively challenging them in education as well as their creative so, arts. You know, my sister and I were very gifted academically, so that pushed us into like a, a magnet school where all the children were advanced in the programs and the things we were interested in and like took in school were way more advanced. Like I was taking darkroom photography in kindergarten developing pictures and everything and learning the, the workings of like cameras and how dark rooms work and taking ceramics and playing xylophone in first grade. So it's all this advanced stuff. With a love of all things art and academic, Tayomi always wanted to be a surgeon, but also had a love for animation, fashion, creative writing and music. Her entrance into the sex world began later in life when she entered into sexual activity. I'm going to let her explain the rest, but before we go on, please be sure to follow us on our social media pages on at the spread pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and stay tuned to the spreads US tour and all the kinky, sexy stuff that I'm getting into. My next trip is to a swingers convention in New Orleans, and I have interviews with sex coaches, sex toy vendors and swingers alike you know you want to stay tuned if you have any specific questions please feel free to send us an email on host at the spreadpodcast.com or just dive into our dms on any of our social platforms now let's get back to tayomi for those of you guys who are interested in following more of tayomi's work please just check all of the links that i've added in the description box below Let's I get it poppin'. Nobody else seeing me naked, but I risk it for you. I want you to take it. Cause I know I found something special. So I just wanna lay down my body and just expose myself to you. Like the first time I was aware of my sexuality, I mean, I had to be like four years old. Aware that, like, I felt a certain way when I would look at men and having, like, or even women. Like, I remember eight years old having feelings when looking at this woman that my mom was like friends with and I was like hmm these feelings are different so the awareness came early on but working in sexuality like that didn't happen until I went to college and started having sex and thought huh okay let me just start exploring and then when my career took a turn from being like an entertainment writer and then a model I listened to my dad, who encouraged me. He's like, you need to use your writing for something. I don't care what you write about. You just need to use this gift. And that's what prompted me to start a sex 
education blog mm-hmm. because sex is a topic like I don't get tired of talking about. There are days when I'm like, I ain't thinking about work right now. But literally, sex is that thing where it's so fluid and it changes all the time. I was like, I'm always going to have something to write about. There's always going to be something I can know about yeah. sex. So that's what got me into doing the sex work. And from there, it just took off. And there have there have been moments where, uh, of course, people don't understand it. Like when I first started, first of all, when I first started modeling boudoir, like modeling and lingerie and stuff, people had a problem with it. And they were like, oh, you're doing that kind of modeling now? Oh, you're going to cheapen yourself, blah, blah, blah. And as soon as they saw the photos, though, they came back to me, literally, and apologized and were just like, these pictures are very beautiful, they're very tasteful, you know, because people have their perceptions of me in general, like, oh, where'd all this sex stuff come from? That was like one of the first thing, pe- things people would say to me when they first found out about my blog. They're like, where'd all this sex stuff come from? You're so quiet and, you know, I'm like, well, I've always been having sex. I've been having yeah. a lot of sex, actually, probably more sex than you think I've had. Mm-hmm. And I just haven't spread my business mm-hmm. around town. Mm-hmm. But it, but the information and the knowledge is on this blog because I have the experience and I read and I research and all that. So some people were thrown off <laughs> when mm-hmm. I first started my blog. And like, even my, like, my family really doesn't know what I do besides like my mother and my father and my grandmother. Even my grandmother doesn't really know that deeply exactly what it is that I do. So I have the majority of my family doesn't even know what I do for a living. Like I was at home just last month and my uncle was like, Oh, what you do? I was like, Oh, I thought you knew (laughs) what I did. And then he started asking me about sexual enhancement pills. And I'm like, uncle, you don't need no more goddamn kids. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) He was like, can I get some of them, them black, what you call them? Them black heads for free. Oh. I was like, I may be able to hook you up and I'm not trying to be responsible for your next kid. So yeah, yeah, but it's been a journey. It's been a great journey. Okay. And I don't know why people assume like if you work in the sex industry, somehow you come from like some kind of broken home where like you got daddy issues or something, but that's not true at all. Like I'm a Scorpio woman. I've always had a natural inclination towards the erotic and I knew eventually that I would get into something because sex work has always been appealing to me, but I just didn't know what. And I literally researched it all, like porn, not my thing, like being a porn performer, but being a porn producer. I mean, I'm already award winning, uh, uh, like I've already won an award with Jasmine and King for Call It In Shadow. So mm. it's like, well, yeah, I can totally do that. Writing totally can do that. And so I like literally went down a list of things before I reached here. And this was the thing that fit me the most because I was being the most authentic. So I also am interested to know how you're morphing into this um, person that you are now and the work that you do. You ha- you said you have a twin. Mm-hmm. Like, um, are you guys similar? Are you different? We're different. The, I mean, yeah. we're similar in like we were raised the same and we have a lot of the same interests, but we're different in our life path and our purpose here. You know, we both have the same purpose, which is to be light workers and to bring light to the world. And the way that we do that is in two separate ways. You know, she's a nurse. She went the traditional like school route all four years because her career, like you have to do that. Me kind of went in my own way. I'm an artist, a free spirit. I'm all over the place. Would people call you a rebel? No. But, I mean, I have often been called, like, the wild child. 
in my family simply because I just go like by the seat of my pants. Like if I feel an inclination to do something, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go do it. And I have so many ideas that flood my mind all the time. So it got to the point where my mom was like, you need to take something serious. Now, mind you, when she said you need to take something serious, she said this in the midst of my blog being like four years in. And I'm like, how much more do (laughs) I mean? I like literally interviewed Reverend Ron and Tyrese, literally mm-hmm. gone viral several times online, literally wrote all these articles for ebony.com, blackdoctor.org, been featured on all these sites. And you're like, you need to say something more serious. And I'm like, you know, yeah. this sex stuff that I'm doing, I'm actually taking serious. But, you know, I get it because she's the kind of person where I would come to her and talk to her, just kind of like unload all my ideas. And so if none of the ideas that I, you know, talk to her about how coming to fruition. It's like, oh, you don't know what you want to do. But literally, it's just me, you yeah, know, venting. I can understand that. So my sister, though, she has been my number one supporter and biggest fan because from the beginning, she believed in me. And she was the first person to, like, invest in me going to Exotica because I had to get a booth and pay for a booth in order to speak. And I remember at the time I had a mentor who worked in radio in Chicago and um, he was getting into like adult stuff and he said he was going to sponsor me. Then the week comes to pay and he's just like dodging me, not picking up the phone or anything. My sister was like, fuck it. Mm. I got you. Let's go. Bless her. Yep. And she paid for the booth and we showed up and we rocked it. And what I, did you have in your booth first time? Um, we were just giving away a lot of stuff. We had condoms. We had buttons. We had stickers. We had... Um, little rubber wristbands with my brand on it and candy and like little gift bags for people. So we just gave away a lot of stuff. And most of most exoticas I've given away stuff more so than sold stuff. I just got the booth so that I could teach. Okay. Um, and so I appreciate her because before anybody else believed in me to support me like that, she did. And that means a lot. Of all my family members, I mean, my father's always been supportive of me, but, like, of all my family members, she's been the one to be the most proactive in keeping me motivated doing this work because sometimes, you know, it can feel a little, it can feel a little lonely, especially in the beginning when I first started before all these beautiful people, like, manifested. In the beginning, me doing this, it wasn't no soul, no black soul tribe. You know, it was, like, me by myself doing this, not being aware of anyone, but the more I started getting a bigger reach and started like going to different events and stuff, I just started finding more people. Yeah, um, just really quickly about that in the beginning, um, mm-hmm. being one of the only black people showing up to these seminars. Um, did you experience any kind of racism? No, and that, you know what? That's the beautiful thing. It's like working with Exotica, I never felt like, they were just pitying me or including me to meet like some kind of affirmative affirmative action status quo. It was like Mm. literally they loved me from day one. Like, um, and there used to be a black guy that worked for three X events. Shout out to Adrian. He used to work for them in doing like their, uh, operation stuff. And so, when I first reached out to Exotica about writing them, I didn't know he was black at all. And I remember 
um, he was like, oh, yeah, sure, you know, no problem. So when I first met him, we like, connected, and from there just built that relationship. And he told me, like, how important it is to, like, have someone like myself representing and being up there. So I think it really helped to have another person of color that was working within the company that could see that potential. But I never once ever felt that there was any racism I experienced working for 3X. They've always accepted me as a person, mm -hmm. not as a black woman, as a, as a empowered, beautiful woman who has purpose. And that's what I love about Exotica in general. It's like when you walk in there, you feel welcome. You don't feel like um, you're an outsider. That's how I feel at AVN. AVN doesn't feel feel welcoming like that. What's AVN? AVN is the Adult Video Network, and it's a really big conference that happens every year in Las Vegas. And so, AVN is like the the grandfathered company in the adult entertainment industry. So they're like, I guess you can say, the metronome. Okay. of the industry mm. and they they have an event it's like exotica but it's even bigger in vegas every year and they have a big award show for all the starlets and stuff but there you do feel the whole racism mm. thing because like some of the black starlets have spoken out about it on several occasions and also white starlets who perform with black people mm -hmm. and they'll get nominated for awards and stuff never win avian so white Yep. A hashtag avian so white. It's so mm. true because like literally imagine being a black performer and you get the opportunity to be nominated for this prestigious award because it's a really big deal in the industry and you get nominated five years in a row and you never win. Mm. You know, and you keep seeing people who don't even have as many fans as you, uh, people who aren't doing as good of work as you. And, and are probably even new in the industry. Yep winning over you and there are some girls who recently have even retired out of the industry because they're just tired of like the blatant racism i mean jasmine and king talk about it all the time like yeah. they have their classes about racism in the industry so it is biased like that but at exotica literally out of the seven like seven years i've been doing it i've never i've never felt that and i have to say because it was my first time showing up for exotica it, it's actually the first time I've been coming to the States for the last 10 years, mm -hmm. like maybe every year, or every two years. It's the first time that I've been anywhere where I felt comfortable. And that's just good. Like, yeah. See, shout out to you came coming all the way from Kenya saying that. <laughs> yeah. And that that is a testament to everyone who works on this show. Like Jay, the owner, he started he started Exotica when he was 26 years old. This young guy with like this bright idea to do to do this show and to be inclusive. I mean, if you just looked at the people, the diversity, the diversity of people who came through, who come through to Exotica every show. You have people who have disabilities and they show up and That's they're true. embraced and they're loved by everyone there. And I'm not saying that people don't show up with disabilities at AVN, but it's a whole different vibe. Yeah. You know, um, it just feels like family. And, and everyone's welcome. So I'm glad that you felt that. Yeah. Because that's what we strive for. And I was for. having a conversation with Jasmine and King on the way home yesterday and saying to them that, oh, something like that would never, also because we live in a completely different environment, but something like that would never happen in Nairobi or in Kenya. Mm -hmm. It's just, I was saying to King that by the end of day one of Exotica in Kenya, <laughs> like... <laughs> Be, there's just there's so much 
like sexual violence that rides in almost every man's head in Kenya. And mm -hmm. just like, you know, just like the people that you hang out with, but they're so blatantly aggressive. And it's because our society allows for those things to happen. Mm -hmm. So something like Exotica would have any excuse for any man to just disrespectfully grab a woman. It, mm -hmm. I think that's what he would see it as. And the worst part about it is if you try to report it to like a security guard, um, the security always, it doesn't matter if you're in a club or if in your or if you're out or if it was something like Exotica, if you try to report it to a security guard, he'll always side with a man regardless. Do women in, in Kenya defend themselves from unwanted touches and attention from men? Or is it kind of like frowned upon for women to do that? Uh, women, as much as they can, do. But I think we're raised to accept the violence that is um, like put on us. And so uh, uh, Nairobi is a small city with a s small number of people who are more forward thinking and, mm -hmm. you know, just um, just like more modern, so to speak, for lack of a better term. And um, so a lot of those women um, don't really experience these things. But like just a little bit in the outskirts of the capital city, like an hour outside of the capital city, women believe that if your man doesn't hit you, then he doesn't love you. Oh, yeah, I've heard that yeah. before. Yeah, so those stories, it's just like, that's how it is. Oh, if he doesn't hit you, he's screwing around. It means he has another woman. <laughs> and Meanwhile, <laughs> he's hitting you and still screwing around. Exactly, you know. exactly. So, that's I mean, sad. we live in a very, very violent like and toxic environment when it comes to sexuality. Mm -hmm. So women like myself, who are standing up and just like living our truth, mm -hmm. are frowned upon. Just oh, I com bet. Completely frowned But you upon. know what's amazing to know that that's one country in your entire continent, and that's one country in the entire world, and the world's so big, and there are so many people outside of that mindset that don't think like that. That's you true. Know, it's like when that's the only thing you know, you think the whole world is like that. And then one day you log on to Twitter or you log on to and you see your YouTube. You find your tribe. And you see myself yes and talking empowered and saying all these things you never heard before but then it's stirring things up it's like oh wow it opens up a, a whole new idea so i hope that the women in kenya and in any part of the world where it is repressed like that and they are dealing with violence that eventually if they are seeking it they will run into someone who can be a beacon of Absolutely. light for them to mm -hmm. show them the truth about who they are and you know in their autonomy mm -hmm. because i mean we are we hear about it in the middle east all the time you oh, know yeah. they they experience so, like just some of the most horrific conditions that women can live in even just being looked at by men who you don't know is a problem and you know my heart goes out to any and every woman who has to go through that because that's just not okay yeah and then when you hear stuff like that as an American woman, it's like, yeah, we have our things that we're going through over here, but I literally get up every day and I thank God to be able to do the work that I do because I know in certain parts of the world that wouldn't even be possible. So while we have our hangups about America and how it's treated like black people, I can say like, and it's like hard to say at the same time, it's like, I'm proud to be American because if I was anywhere else, I couldn't be doing what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. You know, and there are individuals who, you know, are the same color as me and they live, they live in different parts of the world and they can't, they still can't even do 
the fullness of how I do what I do. Exactly. Because they would be frowned upon because, you know, from their culture and stuff like that. So, and you know, it's funny. I actually was told that in Nigeria, there are women who are imitating me, like literally doing exactly what I'm doing. I'm like, oh, well, shouts out to you for like wanting to, I guess, educate people. And I don't know exactly what they're doing. So I can't even say fully that I appreciate what they're doing. You're going I just to Nigeria soon. So. Yeah, we are. But that's what's funny because they were like, someone said, you're going to see a lot of your mini me's running around. Wow. I'm like, oh, it's going to be fun. It is going to be. <laughs> I mean, I'm excited because I know so many Nigerian people and they have been nothing but kind and loving to me. And in any place, you got corruption and corrupt ass people. Like we all know about a Nigerian scammer. Mm. We know about their government, whatever. But the focus, the focus for me on anything in any type of travel is love. And if you keep that in your heart and you hold that intention, that's what that's what's gonna radiate back to you, not the the other stuff that you don't want. Yeah, that's the truth. Um, I I want to know more about like the kind of classes that you teach. I teach a variety of classes. Like a lot of what I teach is very like hands-on technique stuff, specifically around like how to position your bodies and also movement. Because one of the things that people don't realize is like, okay, sex is movement and it's exercise. And so learning proper stroke techniques, learning hip movements and um, like pelvic movements that can help not only loosen up the sexual energy that's in your pelvis, but also strengthen the muscles within it is really important. There are so many men who are like, oh, well, you know, can you teach me how to stroke better? You need some movement classes. Mm -hmm. The same thing with women, like my Rodham Cowgirl class, I've been touring with that for the last three years. And it's such a popular class because it's one of those things that women just have the hardest time with mm -hmm. for many reasons. I mean, of course, a part of it's being out of shape, but then the other part is like the confidence, especially bigger women. They're like, I'm a big girl. I just don't think I can be up there. I'm like, listen, girl, he with you because you are big and he can handle all of that. Yeah. So when women find out too, like, you know, I recently got married when they find out my husband's like half my size, <laughs> you know, they're like, oh, really? You, it was so funny because at the Chicago show, I mentioned him and mentioned that he was smaller than me. And these ladies, these big ladies, came over to him. It was like three of them. They were like, oh, so you the one. He was like, what? <laughs> what did I do? He was, she was like, she said that she rides you and you like half her size. And they like looked him up and down. And she was like, okay, okay. I feel confident now. And I was like. <laughs> I can do it now. That, right. I was like, that's funny. But I mean, it's true. So uh, I teach that. And I also teach classes on like reframing certain uh, sex acts. Like for instance, dirty talk. I'm developing a, a program right now to help people with that. But I also like to reframe things so that it makes more sense. Like dirty talk is basically positive affirmation but you use these words that are deemed dirty in order to arouse your partner but on the flip side let's say you don't feel comfortable using dirty words well you can still encourage your partner and give your, give your partner feedback by giving loving uh loving phrases of appreciation and affirmation while you're having sex and i remember my husband did that i didn't even like tell him he just, this naturally just came to me. I remember one time we were make, making love and he was whispering in my ear just all these like beautiful things. You know, you are the light of the world. You know, you are perfect. You are beautiful. 
you know, I love you, like just all these things. And I was like, no man's ever said this to me. Well, did you cry? I did. <laughs> I was crying my eyes out while being stroked. And I was like, yeah. yes. So there's um, a lot that I'm developing because most of my education is on social media. Mm-hmm. And now with all this stuff that Trump, President Trump is doing, uh, I hate, I hate fucking, he ain't my president, but he's yeah. the president of the United States, mm-hmm. all right? And with all the laws he's putting into place, that's the FOSTA, like basically these laws that were supposed to stop sex trafficking and they're not, they're just attacking sex workers and it includes us mm-hmm. as sex mm-hmm. educators. Um, it's been a little scary online because all the sites have changed their terms of service and they're um, blocking certain hashtags that have to do with sex. And so um, there have been complete pages that have been taken down. Mine is one of them from Instagram. They've changed the algorithms to try to shut us out in any language that we use. So it's been um, a little rough. And for me, um, I've just been thinking about restructuring, but really not putting so much of the advice and stuff that I used to put up on social media and really just creating funnels. Because my thing is I want people to have a safe place where they can always find this content and it's not going to be taken down and they can receive the help that they need. So yeah, Kama Sutra classes are like my favorite to teach because people want to know like how to become more connected and there's a lot that the Kama Sutra has to offer as far as like stroke and positions and stuff but there's a lot people don't know that hasn't been deciphered mm-hmm. for them and then um just all around confidence building and any type of like technique that you want to learn as far as delivering pleasure I provide that for people in one-on-one sessions group sessions and just hold space for people to like heal through their stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna be a certified authentic Tantra practitioner. So getting more into uh, Tantra based somatic healing is where I'm moving into as well. And then naturopathic medicine with an emphasis on sexual health. That's beautiful. So like, yeah. um, tell me a little bit more about that. Well, so, okay, STDs are a very common part of being sexually active. Yeah. And there are a lot of people who, for whatever reason, you know, they don't want to take these man-made medications and stuff. And there are natural ways to kill the viruses that cause these STDs. So currently, I'm just doing more research on plant medicine. Um, I recently got information from one of my mentors that herpes can be cured and that um it was astounding like literally one of my mentors saying that their herpes was like one of the most severe cases and it was 100 percent cured with plant medicine wow that blew my mind and was affirming for me because i had always known that there was and i had already had people who you know i'm very transparent with my following so there was one girl who reached out to me and said, I've been using this herb for this long. I haven't had outbreaks ever since. 
check it out, do your research. So I'm like, shouts out to my following because they really do support me on the journey. But I really want to provide naturopathic ways of healing for people who, you know, don't want to go the man-made medicine route. And it really also takes a lifestyle change because there's a certain diet you have to follow too. So it's like, okay, you can take the man-made antibiotics and the stuff will be knocked out five days. Whereas if you're doing the naturopathic way, it may take two weeks. But you have to be aggressive and you have you cannot miss doses. And if they're telling you eat this way, you got to eat this way because you're basically you literally have to follow the rules and regulations yes. down to a T because you're giving the yeah. all you're doing is just supporting the body on its journey to fight off mm-hmm. the the virus already because your yep. body is created to be able to fight these viruses already exactly mm-hmm. I completely believe in that kind of like holistic way of living mm-hmm. um, veganic eating as much as possible and just curing your body of anything i believe the body can cure itself of absolutely anything naturally and you know what i'm gonna tell you something sarah j shout out to her she's like one of the people that kind of inspired me to look into it because she is into naturopathic medicine like she's a porn performer has been for like going on 20 years and she doesn't go to like i mean to to go get her like tests and stuff done yeah she'll go to like you know regular doctor or whatever but as far as curing anything that she has going on she uses natural medicine. I remember she was the first person that introduced me to boric acid capsules. And she was like, yeah, if you got a yeast infection or BV, you can just pop this thing up there, up your vagina. You don't swallow it because you can get poisoned. But she's like, but you put it up your vagina and then you like do that for three nights, three or four nights. And then you take a bath and you're all good. Wow. So she gave me a few. And I, when I tried it, I was like, what? It worked. And so then I started doing research and I started like calling on my um, friends who are like medical doctors and asking them like, is this a thing? And they were like, yeah, totally it is. And so when I heard that, I was like, well, I know there is so much more information out there that I'm not aware of yet, but I want to be. Yeah. Because people already come to me like sending me pictures of like their outbreaks and all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, yo, 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 yo. <laughs> Slow down. Slow down, first of all. <laughs> Secondly, why do you think that's okay? Thirdly, I'm not a medical doctor. I cannot legally advise you on anything. So go show these pictures to a doctor, not yeah. me. And I've always wanted to be a doctor. So this is where the whole like childhood thing comes back full Got circle. It. It's like... I've already had the chance to explore fashion. I've already explored music on the writing side. Now I'm in sexuality and I get to go back and revisit being a doctor, but not being a surgeon, being a naturopathic healer. Mm -hmm. So I can hit all of my life goals in one. one. Yep. (laughs) Yes, girl, get it. So a lot of people are going to ask where these drugs are available for sure. (laughs) Well, there there are, this is, a thing in the making it's going to be a few years out because we have to get you know we got to do all the research and to get all the legal stuff together and it's going to be an online apothecary so people can order online but again we have to have all those those disclaimers like this wasn't you know intended yeah. to heal yeah you got to go see a doctor first that's the thing you cannot come onto the site and buy anything unless you've already gotten a diagnosis and it's like you can this is why research is necessary because it's like certain plant medicines may counteract man-made medicine. So it's like, you gotta be on one or the other. You can't be on both. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I I literally want to grow all of my own herbs, 
you know, have a farm and stuff. And yes, girl. Yeah, I mean, I'm talking about like multi-million dollar. you going to be creating this. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, my husband, his uncle is Dr. Layla Africa, and he is like a well-known doctor. And like the Yeah. And um, I went to their lab in Ohio, and I was really impressed. And it was really inspiring. And, like, mm-hmm. his wife told me, she said, we get these requests for like sex stuff all the time and that's just not our focus. Like they have some blends, but that's not their main focus. Mm -hmm. She was like, oh girl, yeah, you're doing the right thing. You'll make a lot of money. And for me, it's like not even about the money, but really just the power of plant medicine. Mm You know, because mm-hmm. I've been healing myself with plant medicine for the last few years, ever since mm-hmm. I haven't had insurance. Uh, <laughs> I was like, fuck this. I can do it myself. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. It, everything will be available online. And like, I really want to have it to where we have other naturopathic doctors on staff. So when you come onto the website, you can ask your questions and stuff Different and get consultation. Right? Absolutely, mm-hmm. because you want to choose what's right for you. So those clarifying questions before you purchase, like, have you seen a doctor already? Have you gotten a proper diagnosis? And even offering testing, like, we, if you feel like you have something, we send you a kit, you send it back, and then you pay for whatever treatment. So there's a lot of ideas brewing, and it's going to take some time. But when it's launched, it's going to be a very powerful tool for people to use as an alternative mm-hmm. for their um, their sexual health needs. Oh, that, I love that. Yeah. I absolutely love that. I can't wait. Okay, so one of my girls on the gram who's a really, really big fan of yours. <laughs> um, her name is Queen Dom. Shout out to you, Queen Dom. Yes. She says, I'm a plus-size queen who is heavily into sensuality and slow loving instead of wham-bam all the time. What's a good way to introduce lovers into this yummy lovemaking, especially in a culture of hurried, non-intuitive lovemaking? And she goes, oh, yeah, that's actually it. Well, well, you got to realize that it's like an uphill battle because if it's a culture where men are just trained to like go and get theirs and they're not thinking about women at all, then you're going to have to a be willing to like forego some sessions with these guys if they're not willing to respect you and b you're going to have to be willing to uh take the lead and to teach because they don't know any better. Like one thing uh, one of the sex experts said on the panel yesterday, Deborah Shade, she said, you know, men, they are stuck in this mindset of like a 14 or 15 year old when it comes to sex and many don't advance beyond that. Now imagine being in a culture where there is no education at all and they're kind of just getting what's passed down to them from their fathers and uncles and they're ill educated as well. So if what you want is love making and you want to be slow and sensual and being sensual means being tapped into your senses. So truly being embodied, then you have to a stand your ground and not accept any, uh, situations where it's not going to be that, which may mean you might not be having sex for a little while. And that's fine because if you say this is what you want, stop accepting what you don't want. And then Mm -hmm. be, start vet like if you already know most of these guys are going to have this mindset you just got to have a vetting process before you even get to the bedroom and you have to ask these guys like are you willing are you willing to learn are you willing to let me show you something are you willing to slow down really Mm. and so that's my advice is like just really being open to educate and to 
like forego sex if you know that this person is not going to be able to, to deliver what you want and not be willing to allow you to show him how you like it and how you want it and to slow down. And I have, I, I have absolute faith that the men in whatever city she lives in, that there's at least one that has the mindset like, yeah, I do want to learn. And, you know, this girl's a goddess and I just want to please her. Like there's somebody out there for her who wants that too. But she just like literally has to be willing to not accept anything less than what she wants because mm. the only way you're gonna attract a lover who is what you say you want him to be, you gotta stop accepting the bullshit first. Mm-hmm. So that's my you advice. Heard that? You heard that? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's a that's a beautiful lesson. That's something I'm learning as well to not accept the things that I don't want. Um, and sometimes I find like my body speaks so louder than my head mm-hmm. and sometimes it becomes a war it's just like no down girl we're not going there mm-hmm. because you know how that ends yeah and it's never fun so it's just like and no. you end up in a guilt trip with yourself exactly. because you like what the fuck man like i knew this wasn't gonna be anything and i was right why did i even come over here and it's like well because your ego is telling you that you need that and you really don't that's another reason why i, why I like went celibate for about a year and a half because i it was this one week when I was living in New York. I had so many partners coming through to like see me because it's like my first time like living on my own. But I had so many partners coming through to see me that it was looking suspect. And I didn't even know that I was living in a house with someone who already like had some weird shit going on. So people were watching his house. But it was that moment where I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Because I'm not even satisfied from these experiences and I just feel really lonely and just like abandoned and alone after this this isn't cool mm-hmm. and everything kind of came to a head where it was like all right I'm at rock bottom with this it's just time to like chill because I'm not I'm not receiving what I know I deserve so when you're in that period of celibacy it's like oh not just not having sex just because you're not getting what you want it's like really examining what's going on with you Mm. you know why do you keep attracting these situations and this is not what you truly want I mean clearly you are the creator of your own life and your own perception so whatever you're bringing in is where you are right now but if it's not where you want to be then what's stopping you from like truly moving to that next level and so doing all this inner work on myself I've been able to attract a partner who is so loving and everything I could ever imagine in a partner because I told myself I'm not going to accept less. And being celibate was not the easiest thing. I mean, especially in the first 30 days and especially being in this lifestyle. Like I was um, like on and off dating like an exotic dancer at the time and um, just all these other people I was meeting who were just so interesting and just so juicy and yummy. And I was like, I can't even explore that with you right now and the beautiful part was like seeing the people who were still left after going through that process because you know that those people truly love you for you and they're just not there for your body and it can get a little lonely when your phone starts drying up nobody's hitting you Mm -hmm. up no one's inviting you out places but it really shows you who people are and who you are Mm -hmm. when you can say no to that stuff and you know that something better is on the other side of that I wouldn't change it for a world. I wouldn't change it for the world. That's powerful. Yeah, no, That's like, powerful. I thought that the whole celebrity thing was bullshit. I'm not even going to lie to you because my mom suggested to me, like, 
maybe a year and a half, two years before I went celibate that I should try celibacy because she saw how miserable I was. And my mom was the one that was like, you know, I'm just going to be honest with you. You're just a fun girl to these guys. Like, that's it. And I was like, well, thanks, mom. I know that already. Maybe I want to be fun right now. Mm. And I did. And it was okay at that time. But then when it got to the point where I wanted to be taken serious, it was like, oh, well, that's not how we roll. That's not, you know, our relationship. That's not our dynamic, whatever. And it was almost like celibacy was the only other option. I was like, why not? I've tried everything else. I've tried fucking my way through it. This isn't getting me anywhere. Let me just stop. And the silence is really loud. Like when the phone stops ringing and the invites stop coming and then you're by yourself and you don't have any like, you know, dick appointments or anybody to call it up with and it's just yourself, you got to face all that ugly stuff you were trying to hide by just jumping into all of these momentary gratifying relationships and so it's really facing that those inner demons and like those ugly reflections and then releasing them. That's that the point where celibacy truly does become transformative when you're doing the work. But if you're just abstaining and you're like, oh, well, I'm just going to wait for my husband, but you're not doing any work. Like, how are you going to attract this man mm -hmm. when you were mm -hmm. still in the same place you were when you stopped having sex two years ago? Mm -hmm. This is what people don't understand. And like, no shade. There's a lot of like celibacy books out there, but they don't talk about like the process and how to use it to truly transform your life to like become the person that you that you see on the other side and like having the lover that's like making love to you slow and you know they don't tell you how to get there they're just like oh well you know celibacy just is stop great. yeah <laughs> celibacy is great and yeah. you know it's a time to like get back connected to god and you know, a lot of the celibacy books are very like Christian, Christian-y, like driven. Mm. Nothing wrong with that. And people need real tools. Like if you're going to use celibacy, it's like this is what you should be focusing on while you're waiting. Mm -hmm. And is that something that you're interested in writing? Oh, yeah. No, it's in the works. Like <laughs> I'm just, you know, just like doing all. I feel girl, so pregnant. I feel so pregnant with ideas. Like I have a list of like 12 books that I want to write. I just mm. got to get the first one out. Once the first one's out. Done. Yep. Self-published? Yes. Okay. And, you know, my goal is, like, to self-publish now, mm -hmm. and then the book just kills so yeah. much shit mm -hmm. that a larger publisher comes and offers me a deal. They come knocking on your door. I've always said that I don't want to beg anybody mm. for an opportunity. I shouldn't have to go and pitch myself to you just for you to believe enough in me to say, we'll take a chance on you mm -hmm. and give you this deal. No, you're going to see how great I am. And you're going to come to me and you're going to offer me the deal. So I just, I've always been in the mindset, like, let me just build it and then they'll come. That's true. I, I'm of the same mindset completely. I really like that. What you said about celibacy, is that then how you met your husband? Okay. So I was in celibacy. I was like, all right, Going, did a year, great. Going into year two, what did it do? I was happy about it, no expectancy. And I literally met him four months in, into 2017. And I truly do credit that time, like being celibate for helping me clear the path. Cause I wouldn't have even been prepared for everything that this man is if I hadn't gone through that period. I had to realize that I was codependent and I had to break those codependent oh relationships. Oh my gosh, you're speaking my life. Let like me tell you. You're speaking my life, sis. Codependency is a bitch. And yeah. it took me 
because I do like these uh, tarot readings on myself. These angel cards are like my favorite, but these mm. the angels, I love y'all, and y'all be hitting me hard. I kept pulling this one card. It kept coming up no matter how much I shuffled. Mm. I would shuffle for like three minutes, and this card would still pop up, and it kept saying, you're emotionally unavailable and codependent. And I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? Mm. And I didn't want to like, because to me it sounded like a bad thing, right? Mm. And then eventually I went online, I looked it up. I put my ego aside. I was like, they keep telling me this, and I know they're not lying. And as soon as I read the descriptions, I was like, wow. Here I was sitting in my sister's house, living on her couch for a little while in San Diego. Even though she welcomed me, that was a fucking codependent-ass relationship, and Mm -hmm. I didn't even realize it, that I was actually holding myself back by really leaning on her so heavily as a crutch, right? And then... In all of my relationships, there was like a weird codependency where it was like I always felt the need to save someone or help someone. And really, it was like that was me trying to help myself by helping them. So You're speaking my life. uh, Look, when I tell you celibacy was like, oh, fuck. It was like a mirror, a big ass mirror that I couldn't escape. And it was what I chose. And my backyard has been so healing for me, being around all the plants and stuff. And I would just, like, tap into the energy of the trees and ask them to, like, create a canopy for me and support me during, like, emotional release. Because I cried so much. And I, I kept a journal throughout that time, publicly and privately, about my journey. And it does get really dark when, you know, you've attached your identity to the the um invites out and when you attach your identity to uh people being Anything attracted other to than you yourself yeah and so when that stuff stops the ego starts attacking you hard like oh i guess you're not really likable oh i get you know i guess you're not attractive nobody's hitting you up but then you really realize like well damn what was i really in those relationships for then it could not have been for anything loving and positive if the ego was telling me that I'm nothing now because these people aren't hitting me up. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people, I think, kind of are afraid of celibacy. And I, I talked about this whole thing with the Huffington Post, actually. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like people are so afraid of celibacy because they don't want to face themselves. They really just think it's like, oh, stop having sex, attract the perfect partner. Uh-uh. There's more. It's stop having sex so you can stop putting so much emphasis on sex so that you can focus on all the other stuff that's coming up or that you're trying to mask or push down by having these relationships. And I didn't even realize that I was demonizing the people that I had previously interacted with and, like, blaming them for my issues when really they did nothing wrong. And so I had to release guilt around that, and I had to take responsibility for all the things that I allowed to happen in my life, even times when um, I was just sitting there fucking through things, knowing that I was hurting. It's like, I could have spoke up at any time and I had to release like guilt around that. And then remember like, you're innocent. You know, you, you didn't do anything wrong and you chose to have that experience and that experience is gone now and that experience or these experiences don't define who you are. Cause when you're sitting by yourself and you're like reflecting and you're celibate, and the phone's not ringing, and it's silent around you. It's like the only thing you can do is take responsibility for yourself and the life that you created because you can't point the finger at anybody else. So it's 
it's a truly transformative journey. And like when you're having that times when you're feeling low, because you will, I'm gonna tell the truth, because you're literally mm. walking through all of your, you're walking through your shadow period mm. when you decide to like really turn inward. You gotta have friends you can call on, people who can like help bring you out of the slumps and do things for yourself. Like that's when dating yourself becomes really important because then you start asking yourself like, well, actually, what do I like? Because e everything literally starts to flip. And so that's your chance to like create another, like a clean slate and start from the beginning and really define who you are like as a woman and your sexuality and how you interact with other people and even just like, what is love? And mm -hmm. that came up for me the heaviest. And I remember I started a journal in uh, July. Actually, it was like around this time in 2016, I started a journal to love. And I know now like God is love and love is God. So they're like synonymous, but I had literally felt like I didn't even deserve God's love. For some reason, I felt like I had strayed so far and I was so entrenched in darkness that I didn't even deserve God's like love. You were being like you were punishing yourself? Yeah, like my love life used to be shit. And I used to feel like I was being punished for something. And I always felt like it wasn't even something I did in this life. Like it was something that happened in a past life. And I literally went to a psychic. I went to a psychic in 2014 to talk to him because I was like, I know like I needed some past life regression readings. I was like... Something's going on and I don't understand why in my life I'm dealing with these things constantly, even though I'm like doing everything that I can to like move beyond it. And it gave me a lot of clarity. And so that that whole like process of inner reflection and like using all of your tools, it's so important. And literally, if I had not cleared that pathway this man wouldn't have walked into my life. And if I also didn't examine my definition of love, because I had a, I had in that journal, I was like, the very first thing I said was like, I don't understand you. I don't know you. I feel like I'm so far from you. I feel like I give love, but I don't receive it back. Like I was just being honest. And then throughout the journal, my mind changed as I started reading other books and then remembering what, like remembering like the love around me outside of like romantic love. And then I remember everything came to a head for me, like with a partner that I, I was with on and off for like four years. I remember sitting in his house thinking to myself like, uh, -uh this, this is not, not what it. I want. This is not what I want. And I remember like I was up, it was uh, a night before an early morning flight. I had back from New York to Chicago and I was up crying praying to God I was like God I don't I I don't deserve this I want to be loved the way I love everyone else I want to understand love I really want to know love for truly what it is God help me because I don't know I was like I don't know literally a few hours later I get on the flight and I meet Naeem looking like black Jesus mm -hmm. <laughs> I meet yeah there's the God there's the God yep. you were praying to but let me tell you what was crazy to me in a good way we ended up riding the train together because we both were going the same way. And then he introduces me to his book, Love is Not a Game, a Manual for Loving Relationships. He set that book in my lap and I was in disbelief. And I turned. I you just, told me you cried. I Look, I <laughs> laughed. So like, I laughed to myself and I was just like, wow, I, I need this book. 
I need, I told him, I said, oh, I need this book because I was up the night before. Like, I was not in the mood to, like, talk to anybody. But he just kept staring at me. He wouldn't just, he would not let me get, like, go to sleep until he says something to me. So the fact that he came and he sat down and he put this book in my lap, I was like, God, you're amazing. You sent me the book, well, you sent me the message, and you sent me the messenger. And so I would not have even gotten to that point if I had not reconnected with God through celibacy because there was literally like a re it felt like a reuniting of me and my creator by erasing all the muck and I was just literally being guided by God to even go to New York that week Mm -hmm. I was just going to see Big Sean in concert because he showed me love on Twitter Mm -hmm. and that was the only date that like synced up with my schedule I didn't know that I was actually going to New York to end a a cycle of um programmatic relationships i didn't know that's that's what i was going to do i didn't know i was going to like turn away from ego-based relationships and to ask for what i truly wanted which was love and i didn't know that that's what i was going to receive because when i got on that plane i literally had no other options no other like men in my life that i was romantically interested in i was like a clean completely clean slate and I, I was kind of nervous because I'm like, man, I always have somebody around. Mm. But there was nobody. And then I meet him. And now we're married. So the progression, wow. the growth. But you got to be And the willing. manifestation. And you've got to be ready. You got to be ready. Because a lot of the time people say they want things, but they're not ready to receive. They're not. and Because re- being open to receive, that's the biggest part, especially as women. You know, we get so caught up in like the past and past situations and we try to look for patterns that's a big mistake because a person's pattern could be the same but their intentions be completely different and that that makes all the differences like the content in your heart like are you doing this from love or are you doing it from ego so I yeah I had to be ready for him and me being ready for him was me doing the inner work and me like getting deeper into my spirituality and really like I like dedicated my life back to God. I remember the the exact day. It was April 2016. And I was in my backyard having like a session with myself. And I remember um, just the sun shining extremely bright. And I just had this epiphany. Like I just like felt God saying to me, you can never stray away. You know, I'm always here for you, you know, and it just felt like a reuniting. So from there, it was like, well, God, you take my life and I'm just going to be guided by you. So literally everything that I've done since then has just been God speaking to me, saying, go here, go there, book this, book that, do this, not that. And it led me to this. Um, and, and Naeem is a man of God. Mm-hmm. So God brought this man into my life knowing that he's a man after his own heart that can continue to allow like continue to pour into me but I had to be open to receive it because literally this man does not ever pressure me into anything it's always on what I want to do it's oh you know I got this book this is what he said I have this book and if you want we can read it together and it's on your time it's no pressure you know it's whenever you feel comfortable so if I was open to receiving that book, 
he was open to you know pouring into me and and giving it to me if i would have said no nah, no thank you that would have been the end of that mm-hmm. and he and you know being all apprehensive and stuff but he didn't even ask me for my phone number he asked me for my email address to give me a free copy of the book mm-hmm. pdf mm-hmm. version so if i would not have been open to the experience of reading with this beautiful stranger or even riding the train with him I would have missed that whole opportunity. That's the name of the book, Riding on the Train with a Stranger. Yep, Riding on the Train with a Stranger. I want 10%. Okay, I got you. <laughs> Say no more, sis. I am generous. Okay, um, <laughs> just one last question yes. to sort of like wrap up this beautiful story. What's it like now with Naeem and your life and the work that you're doing and, and just like the greatness that the universe is giving you now after everything that you've sort of been through with spiritual healing? When people say living their best life, like I literally, I always feel like my life has been amazing. It's always been dark spots, but now I feel like life is getting better and better every single day. And that's not just like an affirmation I tell myself. Literally, I wake up and I feel that way because A, I'm being guided by the divine. So I know that anywhere I go from here, it can't be wrong. And secondly, you can relax. Like I can relax into my purpose, knowing that I have a man who is supporting me in that purpose and knowing that God brought us together. So together we have an even bigger purpose. And I'm going to say after a year of being with this man, my life has changed dramatically for the better. And I feel like things in my life have just accelerated times 10. So I'm a powerful manifester alone, but with him, it's like we manifest the grandest things and it truly is magical and it does feel like living in a dream. So when you're on this path and you're like, you know, I, I want this like dream person or whatever, you have to realize like your stuff's going to come up together even faster and your work and everything that you're working towards in life is going to accelerate even faster when you're with a partner who compliments you and they exemplify you, you know, and then they raise you up and not just like, oh, being a warm body to lay, to lay next to. And it's enhanced my work. It's made me way more empathetic towards like couples and people who are in like long-term relationships. Because I've always kind of advised people who were in relationships, but never was truly in a, like in my definition of a successful one. So now I can speak from not just like, oh, professional, you know, knowledge, but experience. but experience and saying we've gone through this. This is how you can get through it, too. So it's just my, my work has gotten even better and he helps me in everything. He's my my biggest cheerleader, my support system, my investor. He's everything. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, I have so much more respect for people who are in loving relationships long term because I know now like all of what it takes to, to be in something like this and to maintain mm-hmm. and to remember love. So it can only get better. That's true. And I just want to encourage anybody that's like looking for that love to remember that it starts with you first. And as women, as a divine feminine, we have to be open to receive period, whether it's a a man or a woman you're into, like if you are not open to receive the love that this person wants to, you know, penetrate your heart with, then how are, how are you going to connect? And literally 
I purposely told myself, I'm going to do the opposite of everything I've ever done with any man, with mm. this man. Because the shit was not working for me in the mm. past, clearly. That meant telling my ego, shut up, bitch. And being like, yes. Because the first inclination. like To we, be like, no, we're yeah. going to do this. Yep. The first inclination was like, eh. like, when we first started reading the book, he asked, oh, um, would you like to set a, a purpose for our relationship? And that was triggering for me because the ego was like, relationship? Yeah, I ain't in a relationship. Yeah, I just met. But I was like, nah. I was like, yes, I do. Because it was the opposite of what I had already tried. I had never done mm. that before. And so my willingness to just try, because I have a lot of willingness to try most things, mm. all right? That, that really, like, changed my life. We, you have to be willing to take a chance. You can't think that, I know we've all been hurt, you know, but love in itself doesn't hurt. Mm -hmm. And typically what's coming up for us in these loving relationships is just the stuff that doesn't belong. Cause you can't, cause oil and water don't mix. So if you're pouring more water into a container where there's oil, the oil's gonna come up and eventually bubble over and spill out and now you got a full glass of water. It's the same thing with us. Like when love enters your heart, all the muck and darkness, like love is light. And light and darkness cannot exist in the same place. So light's going to push the darkness out. And the Always. darkness is going to feel fucked up. But that's that doesn't belong. Mm. And that's what people are afraid of. They think they're afraid of being hurt by love. But it's not love that's hurting you. It's love that's healing you. Mm -hmm. And the, the stuff that did hurt you is coming up to be released. And it feels just like the pain's happening all over again. Because the way that trauma and like pain goes into the body, it comes out the same exact way. So people give love a bad name because they're like, oh, well, I was in this relationship with this person and it was all good, but then they hurt me. It's like, no, actually, that's not what happened. That's what you think happened. And now you're running from love because you think love hurt you. It wasn't. It was your perception of that relationship and what love was helping you do in healing. You couldn't recognize that you were healing. You just mm -hmm. thought that how you saw what that part or how you perceive what that person said or did as an attack instead of oh wow this is actually something reflecting on to me and we're not talking about like physically being attacked like the women in kenya being beat i'm mm -hmm. talking like that emotional stuff where you you look and sound crazy mm -hmm. for attacking your partner about something simple in their phone that had nothing to do with you at all but it was just like your inner insecurities coming up that's the kind of stuff that comes up to be healed when love comes in. So I just want to encourage, like, anybody, man, woman, gender nonconforming, like, when you allow love in, let the ugly stuff come up because it doesn't want to be there mm -hmm. when love enters. And trust the person who you've brought into your life. Trust your partner. Trust that, A, they're not here to hurt you. B, they're only here to love you. And C, Whatever is coming up in the midst of with them is not a part of who you are. It's not meant to be a part of your union together. So let it go. And sometimes that means people, mm -hmm. places, things, mm -hmm. you know, but really it starts within. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I know I'd said that was my last question, but just like really quickly. 
how do you um, how does the dynamics of your relationship with your husband work with the work that you do? It works very well. I mean, he's a miracle worker and a love advocate, and I'm a sex educator and a miracle worker and a love advocate as well. Even before I met him, just wasn't classifying it as that. And so to know that we both are writers and we're both thinkers and we both work kind of in the same vein, like helping relationships, it was perfect. It was like a match made in heaven. So his work actually amplified my work because when I started reading his book, I found out that his book is based on a text called The Course in Miracles. And A Course in Miracles is basically A Course in Love Mm -hmm. because a miracle is an act or display of love. And so I had already been searching for like a spiritual text beyond the Bible because the Bible was just not getting it for me anymore. And that book dramatically shifted my perception living in this world. And it has dramatically shifted my work and just like my message. So our like our dynamic is perfect because on the side of like love and content, we both have that down packed. And then when we start getting into like form based stuff, which is sex is a form, it's a delivery system. Sex can be, can deliver fear or sex can deliver love. So, and sex is like in itself neutral and we give it all the meaning. And it's that one thing in relationships, even though it's like that big, it feels like a two ton whatever sitting on your back when it's messed up because we have equated love and sex as the same thing but it's not That's so true. in our with our dynamic it's like I can come in and talk about like sex stuff and how to make it better and then he follows up with reminding people about love like saying it's love that's the most important in this and so if you're not going to be doing something from a space of love whether it's sex or not having sex then it doesn't mean anything in itself because if it's not love there is no opposite of love mm. at all. So it's like such a good balance and support system to have him there because then he also provides the masculine perspective. This entire, like the, the seven years I've been doing this, it's just been me solo as a young black woman, just kind of like going through her journey teaching, but never having like publicly having anyone that I was tied to and I know for some women in the beginning, it was like really intimidating because they're like, oh, she's gonna steal my man. Mm. But now that I'm married, I feel like it opens up a lot more um, mm. for us. Uh, Cause I've always had like a, a, a sense of trust with women, but then there's like this whole other sect of women who are married and now it's like, oh, well she's married. So I can bring my so husband along. So now I can along. bring my husband along mm. or I can introduce my husband to this or mm. whatever. And so, it literally has shifted so many things, but in a very positive way. Mm-hmm. And like I said, we have an idea of like our ideal partners and stuff. And everything that I had on like a list, all that was thrown out the window as far as like the physicality and all that stuff, completely opposite of what I thought, but in the content and, and what he is in his heart and everything that he brings to the table, everything. And so it was only natural that he would also enhance my work because this was for me, that was really big. Like if you don't support my work, I can't be with you. There would be guys that would say, oh, when are you going to be done with this thing? Mm-hmm. You calling my work a thing? You know, oh, so when's this little phase going to be over? You don't deserve to be here, mister. Yo, there's the door. I've, <laughs> when I tell you I've heard that more times 
than anything. And then I've had guys like getting me confused, like not understanding exactly what it is that I'm doing and thinking I'm like a whole traveling around, like making money, serving dicks or something. And I'm like, wow, you really don't even go on Google and just look at what I'm doing. And so that was really important to me to be with someone who took me serious and wasn't going to like make me change what I'm doing or my career just to be with him. Like I die first before I force myself to be with somebody who's going to make me change even like, like just one thing about myself mm. and I'm glad I didn't have to. Mm. So never compromise. Nothing good comes of compromise. Absolutely. Amen. And to everybody who's listening, <laughs> I just feel like I've learned such valuable lessons from having conversation with you. And I feel so like ready to take on the world because yes. I'm, I'm on this new journey in my life as well. And, um, going through some shit or whatever, just like learning myself and learning to love and just learning to find where this space is, where this love is. And so I feel like a lot of the questions that I've been asking you are <laughs> more personal, but I know that there's so many women out there who are going through the same things that we I am. We are the same. Exactly. And the journeys are the same and, and everybody has something to learn from everybody else in one way or another. So I'm just so glad that we shared this space. Me too. In my sacred hotel room. Yes. <laughs> and you know what? It's like me, like like we literally are the same. And I'm just yeah. like proud of you for coming from all the way from Kenya on your own like journey of exploration and just getting out in the world and, and doing what you're doing because it's a very influential part of your yeah. growth. Mm -hmm. And us having this conversation, it's like me reminding myself too of just how far I've come because when I tell you I felt the point when I was in total darkness. I, I felt completely separate from God. Like, I just, I felt, it was like in the fucking sunken place. The sunken place is real. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no one else can really tell when you're, well, I can't say that. Other people can tell when you're there. But they just won't say anything. Yeah. You know, people who enable you. And, you know, it's just nice to be able to talk to other people and then be able to, to be reminded of just how far you've come and you have to celebrate that. You mm -hmm. really do. Along the journey that you're on right now, take a moment to really just thank yourself for showing up and holding space for yourself to like really process everything you're going through and transmute it because that's what you're doing now. It's like transmuting all the shit in the muck and you're in it right now, but just know it's just for a moment. And you can transmute that stuff and you can turn it into something beautiful. When I went celibate, I went on a world tour, sis, and I'm going to tell you this, and I have, like, and I don't care how anyone feels about it. During that time, too, I lost a child. Mm. No one, like, I have, like, I've talked about it here and there, but I haven't really, like, publicly talked a lot about it, but it's healing for me to talk about it because literally, here it was, I found out I was pregnant, and I was already two months, didn't even know. The guy who I was pregnant by, he basically attacked my body. I didn't even know he did that to me. So I knew I had to I had to I had to make a decision because I wasn't going to choose to live a life connected to somebody who was already denying the child. And that wasn't the plan for my life at that time. And so not only did I have to deal with the termination alone, I had to move back home to Chicago within two weeks after experiencing that still having a raw cervix, having to fly out across across the entire country and then still get to work. And I was, I had already decided to be celibate 
by that time. So here I was dealing with that, dealing with having moving back home to Chicago, and still I decided to be celibate, and I literally took all of that energy and that extra time that I had to tour the entire United States and Canada and London. Davia Frost and I, shout out to her, another sex educator, we went to Europe for the first time together, and that was literally within a year's time. And people were like, I can't even understand how you're doing all this amazing stuff because you don't even understand the motivation. The motivation was me being in such a damn sunken, sunken place that I had to even make a decision to turn. Like, I didn't want to have to do that, but that was like that switch for me. And this is why I said compromise never leads to anything but pain. Because I literally compromised myself even being in that relationship that I was in because I was in such a low place that I just wanted to have something. I'm going to have to write that down. Where's Naeem in his journal? Right. No, like, <laughs> you have it here on the record. Compromise never leads to anything but pain. Mm. So the pain of separation. And, like, I made peace, like, with the spirit that chose me. And the spirit was like, it's okay. I understand. You're good. I love you. Off until the universe until you return again. But people really didn't even understand what the motivation was and why I was going so hard because I said to myself and the child, if I'm giving you up right now, then I'm going to go hard with the baby I already have, which is my business. And I did. And shout out to all the women that supported me on that first tour because they don't even understand. They really will. They probably will never understand. Girl, you're going to make me cry. No, I, feel like, I feel like crying because they don't even understand how... They helped, like, they really helped me heal. I had all this baby weight and stuff. I just wasn't even feeling myself, and no one knew that I had baby weight. And I went on this tour. I was working out, like, three times a weekend with these ladies who were coming to me for inspiration, who were like, oh, my God, so happy to see you. And I'm like, y'all don't even understand what y'all showing up is doing for me. And there were some times when, like, like, for instance, I went to, I went to um, St. Louis, and no one showed up for the class but, like, two people online. But we still went there, and we still did it. And I'm like, I'm pushing myself because if I had to go through that, I'm not going to stop. I'm just going to keep going. So those women probably will never even understand, like, how their support really even just pushed me and got me to this point. But that, like, that really taught me, like, the power in sisterhood because so many women who – I had no idea like they dealt with terminations like people who just like follow me online were reaching out to me like are you okay and when I would open up to them about what I was going through like they supported me from afar like and shout out to Tiffany Janae because like she was one of those people too who like helped me out so much during that time and Jasmine too mm. you know and it's like sisterhood is so important especially amongst black women and like we all go through these things unknowingly like people don't even know how much we go through and the more i started sharing my story i started finding out all these beautiful black women who are so strong and empowered they went through the same thing and i'm like oh my god and you never talked about this and you never said anything to anybody and then going through life feeling like i had one friend who said i felt like i was cursed like i would never be blessed with a child again she has a beautiful baby girl now and i'm like wow the power of sisterhood and the power of even just like sharing your story so you know that i'm gonna hug you <laughs> thank you you're welcome thank you so much for like giving me your heart for you're trusting welcome. me with your heart 
Yeah, I just feel like other people need to hear that because it's not easy out here. And just because, and, and, and that's, that's a part of being a woman. That's what Sarah J, like Sarah J was also somebody during that time. She told me, she said, look, I've had like 12, 12 terminations. She don't want kids at all. She mm -hmm. works in the industry, stuff happens. But she was like, I don't want children at all. And this is a natural part of who we are as women. We are autonomous over our bodies. We can make the choice. And her, her talk really was a talk that like comforted me the most at that time. Well, one of the conversations because it reminded me that we are creators. It doesn't matter if you draw something on a page or if you write a poem and then crumble it up and throw it away or if you have a child in your womb that is unwanted. You really have mm -hmm. no connection and you decide to get rid of it. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing as the drawing you just crumpled up and threw in, in the, the trash. trash. Mm -hmm. And most people are like, but that's a human life. Well, everything has life in it. Mm -hmm. And as a, a woman, you have a right to do whatever you want with mm -hmm. whatever you create. And no one, of your body. no one should ever guilt trip you into having a child or guilt trip you into not having a child if that's not what you want to do because if you compromise that you're going to end up with a yes. lifetime of pain exactly looking at that child feeling resentment taking it out on the child mm -hmm. and that's not okay mm -hmm. it's not okay or complaining about you know being impoverished because of it's not the child's fault you mm -hmm. made the decision to bring a child into the world mm -hmm. so i'm happy now that i'm with a man who a respects my body 100 mm -hmm. and b wants to have children with me and wants to be conscious when we have children together and that knows my history and my past and is very like sensitive towards that and has assisted me in my healing with that mm -hmm. as well and that's the power of manifestation mm -hmm. and and really doing your own inner work because then you attract that yeah i think um, manifestation is the theme of my trip Yep. Because it, that, you manifested this trip, girl. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I manifested meeting you Yay. before you knew it, before oh. I knew it. Yeah. And meeting Jasmine and Ken, just everybody that I've, I've, just everything in my life. But it's it's powerful now. It's more powerful now than it's ever been. And um, and thank you for having this conversation with me. And I'm I'm sure everyone who's listening is feels exactly the same way. I just want to say, sisters over in Kenya, don't give up hope. We love you. Amen. And, you know, if we got to do some secret underground shit in Kenya. We will. We will. Because ain't nobody listening to my podcast. <laughs> they started in the beginning. They were like, uh, yeah, okay, I think we're just going to leave it. But, yeah, hell yeah. All, all of you have to come. Yeah. All of you we'll have come. to come. Yeah. Once, because, see, that's the thing. This is why we're doing Nigeria. It's like once we get into Africa, period, then it's like, <gasps> You guys actually were brave enough to come to the continent. Oh mm. my God! Because people are like, come to South Africa. Mm. I've had so many people say, come to Kenya, come to Absolutely. Ghana, Absolutely. come. You know, I'm like, okay, yeah, gonna pay for me. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll make it happen. Yes, we'll so happen. we're all for it. The whole crew, the whole crew, everybody, the Chocolate City, <laughs> Chocolate City Committee, C Chocolate City Committee. That's <laughs> our new nickname, Chocolate <laughs> City Committee. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, that's it, guys. That's Tayomi. Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs> Peace.
Thank you so much for tuning in. Remember, I'm trying to put out an episode every week while I'm here in the US because I've interviewed so many people and I have so much content to share with you. Um, Don't forget to please follow us on all of our social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Spread Pod. If there's anything in particular that you want me to follow or people that you'd like for me to interview, please reach out and let us know because that's what we're here for. Nami. And until next week, ladies and gentlemen, something special. So I just wanna lay down my body and just expose myself to you. Oh, baby. So lay down your body and just expose yourself to me, too. Because I want your love. Will you give me love? Make my dream a reality. 